Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural contexts and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is. Kal-El. Yes? That's how you feel about this movie? Kal-El. Maybe? Yeah. Kal-El. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. What are you? What do you want me to say? I am. I want you to say, Kalel, no. Kalel, no. Thank you. Thank um, you. Thank very, you. Very, very happy. You're my Gal Gadot so stand-in. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes. Very or, much. or rather, I am Gal Gadot, and you are my Superman. Okay. So we're just gonna head. Who are each we? Other. Who are we in the in the in the Justice League? Who do you feel? I mean, like, I feel like we have to take Wonder Woman out. Because I feel like that's like an immediate good. go-to. Yeah. yeah. So X that's what Wonder I was Woman. trying to think of. I mean, I guess I'm Cyborg. <laughs> I love that for you. Who are you? Um, are I, you Aquaman? I'm Aquaman's hair, you know? Oh, I didn't know we were. I'm like flowing in the wind. I didn't know we were guiding that My specific. man. My man. My man. They also kept my man. So they kept Thank both of God. the things that I recognize from yes. Justice League. We'll get into what they kept and what they didn't keep. And long story short is they didn't keep a lot. Yeah. And yeah. Hello. Hi. Hi, I'm Brooks How Sullivan. are you? I'm Jordan Gustafson. Sorry. I'm doing I'm Batman. Good. I'm just going to get out of the way. I'm Clark. Or I'm Clark Kent. I'm Superman. Uh-huh. My man. My man. I'm going really fast. I'm the Flash. I'm Ezra Miller. Um, I'm a cyborg. He doesn't have Kal-El, a Kal-El, no! You, well, you're going too high for her. She doesn't really have Kal-El, a Kal-El, no! <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, that's enough Master of Wayne. Master Wayne. Master Kent. Oh, don't forget, we live in a society. I'm going to wear Heath Ledger makeup. <laughs> His <laughs> laugh is so <laughs> bad. <laughs> I like how uh, in The uh, Dark Knight, he has like 50 uh, different laughs. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, are you saying that Heath Ledger gives a good performance in The Dark Knight? Brooke Solomon, are you going to come on mic at this hour of the night to say that Heath Ledger gives a good performance in The Dark Knight? This is a bonus up, okay? We don't have any time to lose. We, we, have, have, to, we have a lot of ground to cover. It's interesting that you're saying we have no time to lose when this movie has more than enough time to lose. Oh, my God. I wonder if James Bond should take a hint you know he's always having no time to, to die. die he should have he should four have hours of time to, to die. die okay so if you haven't guessed already this is our special special bonus up on Zack snyder's justice league aka the snyder lee cut. daniels the butler Zack snyder's the justice, justice league. league yes um but he cut the the because it's cleaner it's cleaner and you know just... who would have made this movie better i'm David andrew Venture? garfield oh <laughs> Oh, Brooke Solomon, do not say that on mic. Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man? Mm, no, Andrew Garfield as Lex Luthor. Ooh. I would like to see that. Ooh. I would like to see that. Um, I would hate to see that. I don't Who think... Who would you cast? Okay, it exists right now. You're Oof. replacing one actor. Actually, Flash. Put Andrew Garfield as the Flash. Yeah, That's that, the that you make. works much better. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So just to reiterate, for those that maybe didn't listen to our Batman v Superman episode. Go listen to it right now it's and a good then time. come back. Yeah. Um, but I have never seen Justice League, Snyder Cut or otherwise. Jordan has seen both versions and actually watched the theatrical cut. The Justice League? Yes. Um, very recently. So I have. that's a fact. 
what what this episode is going to look like is Jordan what is, is going to be like? offering the comparisons between the two versions and I'm going to be offering a very Fresh objective take. take on how I think that this movie operates as a piece of cinema. Yes. And so there we go. It's interesting. You're mentioning that this is a piece of cinema and I would say, yes, this is a movie. I would also like to say that this is honestly more of a piece of art restoration or a like an installment is how I feel mm-hmm. looking at this movie. Mm-hmm. I guess like let's, cause we've sort of talked off mic about like how we're going to kind of go through this. And I think like, let's just dive into sort of like the production right. and the justice league two of it all. But I mean, like just from the beginning, obviously to lay the groundwork for those who don't know, this film was originally supposed to be by Zack Snyder. It was announced to be part one of two for, the DC extended universe. They've actually never given a label to it, but during production, Zack Snyder's daughter committed suicide. And so he stepped away from the project to take some time to be with his family. And as he was away, uh, the studio essentially brought in Josh Whedon beforehand. They were originally bringing Josh Whedon in to do sort of like punch-ups on the script. Yeah. And then they had him basically going in to do reshoots and, and he did so many reshoots and so much editing that he actually got a co-screenwriting credit, yes. correct? Which means that he wrote rewrote at least 51% of the original film yes. after it had all mostly been shot. Based on WGA standards. Yes. Um, and eventually he did not get a co-directing credit. He got a right. producing and the writing. Then what happened essentially was that, you know, time passed. The Justice League came out. It underperformed. And Fans were like, bad. Oh, this is not good. <laughs> Uh, this is not a great movie. There's a lot going wrong with it. Also, Josh Whedon, a terrible person. Yeah, um, as we've talked about extensively on Mike. So. I think it's interesting that this movie uh, just goes and shows that Josh Whedon really is a bad person. Like, watching the Snyder Cut, you're really able to see, like, oh, you messed up here and here and here, and this was your fault. And, like, even though I haven't seen OG, the, even though I haven't yeah, seen yeah, yeah. the Justice League, it's very much like, okay, so you cut out all the storylines involving the women and the people of color. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you put in, like, a lot of quippy shit and a lot of, like, weird, sexy, flirty business. Oh, almost like there was a shot that lingered on Gal Gadot's butt for about 30 seconds, and that just seemingly was not in this one. But also, like... Did I mean, Zack Snyder shoot that we is won't, the question. Let's just say Zack Snyder does sexualize a lot of his images. Yeah. But like but it's it's compared to it's you know, definitely Joss. more even across the board. I can't believe that I'm saying that. Yes. But like at least it's like a little bit, you know, you can sort of When Henry Cavill shows up. There's a little something for everybody. Everyone's um, getting a treat. Yeah. But no, um I mean, this is just like such it's one of the craziest like production stories of any film and i think especially because it was for the dceu which was already under fire for being a mess um but like i think as is clear from what we've talked about so far this is less an episode about queer content and more so an episode about like the state of filmmaking but i think it's equally as important because it says a lot about like the sway that directors can have and how directors can influence a project which is something that we talk about all the time because like if you want representation it has to start at the directing level yes because your director can and will fight for certain things 100 like, or as we've seen even if not this. fighting for it like just in, in it being an inherently like part of their style right you know like with Zack and, like, Snyder insisting on it right like Zack Snyder as we've talked about he is sort of the 
Like, whether you like, I think, at the end of the day, whether you like Zack Snyder or not, I'm just going to get it out there. Like, whether you like Zack Snyder or not, I think it's impossible to deny that the man is an auteur and that the man has a very distinct visual style and that no matter what, this is like a Zack Snyder movie. Oh, no question. Watching something that has such a clear visual stamp is really refreshing. It's so funny, though, because you're like, yeah, his visual style is that I can't see anything. (laughs) And it's gritty. (laughs) And there's no color. Right. But, like, I am, like, happy that the man got to see his movie through to the end. And, like, to be able to, like, come through and work through a traumatic family event and make your art come to life, I think is the, I think for, I mean, for me and you, you know, as two artists ourselves, I think it is like something truly beautiful to see, like when someone is able to like work through trauma to such an extent that out of the way, I think it is just, as we were saying with Joss Whedon, I think it's hilarious to look at the difference between the two because it's so clear right. Snyder's stamp on this movie versus Joss's. And so much seems to be different. And like... A hundred percent. Yeah. I was mostly just gleaning this from you being like, oh, this is new. Oh, this is new. Oh, I've literally never seen this scene before. Basically, so release the Snyder cut started happening early on. The hashtag. The hashtag, yes. And his fans obviously are very vocal. And there are a lot of good things that his fans are doing, which is like donating to suicide awareness. And like a lot of the money for this has gone straight to that, which is fucking cool. And that his fans are like trying to do this very progressive and like healthy thing for Zack Snyder and his family. And that's how you use a platform. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Right. That's great. (laughs) That being said. That being said, there are uh, some downsides to this vocal and very loud community. Let's just say that maybe they aren't the most, I don't know. Let's say maybe they, uh, I don't even know. How do you, I don't even know how to say they it. They fucking suck. They're kind they of like loud and mean and dox uh, people. Yes, aggressive. And call people like slurs of every kind. Right. And it's not like specifically the Snyder bros. Like it's right. just it's a like. a specific sect of the I internet. I usually call it the red pill Reddit corner of the internet. Right. Like they're there for Star Wars. They're there for Marvel. They're there for this stuff. They're there for Game of Thrones. Like they're, they're, they're in all They're these, in all fandoms. Yeah. They're yes. everywhere. They're, oh. Brooke, they're like the parademons. You can't escape them. <laughs> they're coming for your fear. Um, but yes. So, I mean, basically, so he acknowledged it. They will put up a billboard in Times Square. They were flying planes around the Warner Brothers lot. Uh, and they were really just trying to, like, set this movie up. So eventually Snyder... Hashtag released the Snyder cut. Exactly. So when Snyder, like, engaged with it, more of the cast engaged with it. Eventually, they got the $70 million budget for it. And so as I... Like... The cut that the Snyder did have a cut of this. He had a director's cut that existed before Joss came in, which was about like this four hour long cut that he had with his editors. And it's so interesting watching this because it is literally maybe 20 minutes is the exact same as the Josh Whedon cut. I want to say crazy. Maybe that is like a couple scenes are like play out very similar and yeah. have similar shots, but otherwise. It's really hard to see like the similarities between the two. Like I was looking at my notes from the original Justice League and this one and what Joss had is like maybe a little more color, but the coloring and the way that they color graded it also isn't coherent throughout. And then like, as we were saying, like a lot of sexualization of Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot specifically. A lot more quips. Right. And just like watching this one, you're like, oh, this actually like ha- like has an auteur stamp and like has a vision and like is going for this Lord of the Rings style epic. Whereas Joss Whedon's is sort of just like, and here's a superhero movie. Yeah. It's very weird to watch the two. Yeah. And I mean, like, I always think that it's much more exciting to see someone's vision realized than see what you like expect a cookie cutter 
the studio movie to be. And I believe, as I've said before, there's like a really cool happy medium where there are just are some directors that work really well in a studio system and also can like execute a very singular vision. And like, that's really exciting, but that's very rare. Totally. And so like, if you have to pick your poison, obviously I want to see something weird and interesting. Absolutely. Like, I think it's sort of like this thing that's happened throughout filmmaking for so long is sort of like the idea like directors are always fighting for the director's cut. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how this movie sort of plays out in the sense of the director's cut, because obviously there's like a Blade Runner, the Magnificent Ambersons, Once Upon a Time in America. Like there are so many times where the director's cut is like this elusive thing swing that people shift. Swing shift, exactly. <laughs> a real deep cut. Where swing shift, honestly, like watching the director's cut, I'm like, oh, wait, this, this is, is a, good movie. a masterpiece. Yeah. Right. And then you watch the like non-director's, the theatrical cut, and you're like, Goldie Hawn, hun, no. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I would love to know what you think, because I feel like this is sort of like at an apex of the film industry of like, is this going to become the new normal like are fans going to have this power over studios to force them to allow directors to have final cut on everything or will they be able to like force final cuts or director's cuts to become like the norm where they're released with everything or they're released to theatrical like are already you sort of see online like people being like release the david air cut of suicide squad and like I don't want to see that. Yeah, I'm good. I do not need to see Margot Robbie sexualized any more than she already was in that movie. Yeah, I think we're good. Also, I think like a lot of the Suicide Squad problems like were in the script phase, which means that like there's not really a David Ayer cut the way that there's a Snyder cut for this. I think that that is a super interesting question and here i think are like the main factors that contribute to fans being able to do this because the snyder cut really is an anomaly and like it's interesting to look at because it's like if fans can leverage just literally a different version of a superhero movie what else can they leverage can they leverage representation can they leverage like inclusion and improvement on like a studio-wide level which it's very interesting. Right. I mean, I think you start, you're starting to see it with the Globes where I think there was such outcry about the Golden Globes being so problematic and people are now really taking a stance on the Globes. And we talk about that more next week. We do. Actually. Which is great timing. We love timelines. We love. <laughs> when did we record this episode? You'll Who never knows? know. Yes. But at the end of the day, as I think that this movie is really sort of this cultural touch point in this important moment sort of in the film industry and where we're going to go from here. And I don't think, obviously, there's no world in which the movie that we watched about, a, you know, however many minutes ago, like 30 minutes you'll ago. never know, <laughs> um, was like, there's no way that that would obviously get released in theaters. Well, that that's what I was going to say, is that like, I think that this the Snyder Cut in particular is like very unique for three reasons. One is that there's like deep personal tragedy at stake, which obviously like, you know, the studio system is only so money motivated. 100%. Like this, this is a situation where it was like, you can't look away from this. Like yes. you have to take this into consideration. So that's like, you know, X factor number one, X factor number two is that like the DCEU was already a mess to begin with. Like nobody would ever say this about Marvel movies because Marvel is such a well-oiled machine that it's like, you know, leave it in Feige's hands. He knows what he's doing. With this, it's like, it's the inmates running the asylum. Nobody really knows what's going on. And so the fans can leverage that power to be like, trust your directors instead of trust the The superhero machine. Right. And then number three, this was released as a VOD release. This would never be released in theaters. They would never 
put up like I would the amount of PNA and the amount of screens that would require a four hour movie. I just can't see it oh, happening. So, no, no way. These movies don't exist anymore. So it's like it's perfect timing for this to happen in quarantine because it allows like obviously there's a PNA budget for this. I s- I've seen posters like all around. I've LA. seen the dark side poster. Yeah. And like there's, you know, there's Twitter ads and stuff yeah. like that. But at the end of the day, it's just on HBO Max and it's a ploy for subscribers. So it helps AT&T and it doesn't really cost AT&T anything besides the 70 mil, which is like pre-approved. But they don't have to worry about ticket sales. You know, they don't have they don't have that same sort of stakes riding on 100 yes so those are like the main it's, factors yeah. that i think contribute to this being sort of like a one in a million decision totally it's at the cross point where like it's restorative justice right it's like the corporate overlords are like able to make money and fans are able to like get what they want whether that's toxic or not so right. it's everyone's sort of benefiting at the exact same time. And it's sort of allowing the DCEU at the same time to have like a final swan song and to like go sort of into its next phase as can, it's sort of going into with like the yeah. new Batman and with like future new Wonder Woman, squad. new Suicide Squads. Like it's allowing it to sort of be like, this is what happened. This is what we were originally going for. Maybe we did not do what we were supposed to do, but here is like a final swan song for all of our heroes, except for Aquaman and Wonder Woman and The Flash, you know? (laughs) So it's really pretty much just like a final swan song for Batman and uh, Superman. Yeah. Like, are we supposed to get a cyborg movie? Well, we were going to, a cyborg movie I think was going to come out the next year or this year. But not anymore. That's not happening. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Especially with everything that's happened with Ray Fisher. Okay. So, I Speaking mean, of, that's such a great lead in. We have to talk about it. But I just want to say right off the bat that I think Ray Fisher is very good in this movie. I would say that he's one of the best parts. Yeah. yeah like, he's, he's great. quite good. He and has like, a complete arc. Yeah. He has a really good story. And like, um, there's a great sequence when he's basically like helping the underdog and using his cryptocurrency powers, yes. his hacking powers for good. And I is was he like, GameStop? Yeah. Like, he is GameStop. Uh, first no, totally no but like he's quite good in this movie and yeah. like he has range and he's he a has fucking no well cyborg. he has no arc in the other one and right. there's no character depth to him in this one he has like a frankenstein sort of father issue and i mean like in this one he's a you know me brooke how much do i like robots i like robots a lot you like robots and daddy issues and this is like this a is two the for distillation one. and of i that. dislike both robots and daddy, and daddy issues. issues and i still liked ray fisher Which so is what does that something. say right <laughs> but this movie is playing into like my frankenstein like love and like are you supposed to exist and like what is your point here on earth let's talk about what went down with ray fisher very briefly because it's like it's sort of like he he has he's been able to have like this redemption in the Snyder Cut and like I would say part and parcel with Zack Snyder being able to sort of like create the movie that he wanted to without sacrificing like personal things like Ray Fisher was able to be in the movie that he was promised totally but like we all know Whedon fucking sucks and apparently a lot how of does his, it feel to be so validated i feel so great about it but like apparently a lot of his onset abuse was like specifically targeted at ray fisher which is obviously like very racially targeted which is not surprising like we came up in the 80s and 90s and like literally never had to think about people of color in any way shape or form so yep like i'm literally not surprised look at his movies and is there Where any diversity they? they're not there see some <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, and it just Ray Fisher, I mean, like I have nothing but immense respect for him being so 
outspoken about like Whedon's verbal abuse and what a horrible onset environment it was because I think that that contributed a lot to the Snyder Cut and him like a total unknown like arguing for the Snyder Cut because he wanted to see justice done to like his character and to the work that he put into this film is like so fucking ballsy. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, like will he have a career? I don't know. I just I have nothing but respect for him and I think that he should have a career because first of all like I you know if Hollywood's trying to be better like this is a great example of a way that you can be better and secondly I think that he's very good yeah. in this. No he's great in yeah. this and he has he's emotional depth as we sort of mentioned sort of with the last episode Zack Snyder's superheroes are constantly like these godlike figures searching for humanity and like trying to find right. a way to connect to humans in this world and he is like the opposite of that where he was a, a human now trying to like find human emotion but he has such empathy for the world where he's like immediately the f- second he like becomes a cyborg he's like I'm going to help people and I like want to be here for everyone and it's sort of the opposite of like a superman or a batman where they're like trying to find empathy within them like how are they going to draw it out versus he he's like I have so much empathy. empathy I don't know how to communicate that with everybody right and he's like I mean there's literally a line where he's like fuck the world where it's like he doesn't care about saving the world but he wants to save people on an individual level which I think is like a great take to have and very much in the Snyder verse of superhero motives where it's like these big you know epic questions about who we are and the world that we live in today and I think that it works almost the best for Ray Fisher slash Cyborg because like it makes sense you know it makes sense for his character that he would have that he's a young kid and he like is not from an affluent family or anything like that. Like he should be interested on these like on on a personal level with people. Totally, it's nice. It's and just it really human relationships. Is so annoying that like from what I again like this yeah. is all hearsay just from you, but from what I understand that Whedon was like, no, he we don't nothing. need any of that he bullshit. Had literally nothing. But he included like a super anonymous Russian family yes. in the final yes. like the final fight sequence action sequence to like yeah. give the characters humanity. Which makes like, no sense. The humanity was there. You just chose not to use it. Yes. It's how you go about your storytelling. And I think it is really such as you were saying, it's such a thing with Joss where it was very much about like how can we insert another human family here with the most sort of base emotions to like draw a humanity out of our characters versus having our characters who have the humanity acting amongst each other to react. And like, granted, I'm not saying that this is a perfect movie or anything, but like, I think between the two of us, we can agree is that Zack Snyder is very good at like very clear emotions on a very simplistic level. Like no matter what, like he knows what he wants to be going for. It's like he has a theme and he's like, I'm going to put all of my effort into this theme no matter what. And you are going to know what the fuck my theme is about. Whether he's that not be a subtle guy. Uh, nuance? Do never you, heard of I've it. I've never heard of it. What is that quote that he he gave at one point? Yes, yes, yes. So there is a great New York Times profile on the Zack Snyder in which he said... The uh, uh, Zack Snyder. It's, it's, it's really interesting because the man is like, I think he's self-aware of who he is. Like reading the article, it is really like, he, I think he understands that he knows 
how ludicrous some of his stuff is. It's weird to think about him as a person because he does have this weird hyper-masculine energy where he's like, it's all ass and tits and abs for me and like, fuck superheroes, they kill people. But like, you talk to anyone who's worked with him on set and he's apparently like the nicest man that's ever walked to the earth. Right, and you're like, oh. It's very... It's like he's very enigmatic. I wouldn't say that I like it or dislike it, but I, I'm i very glad to hear that he seems to a have person, like a yeah. very good onset presence totally. and stuff like that. But right. um, back to the New so York the Times quote, Yeah, So there were a few quotes in this that were really, that kind of like jumped out. And the first one would be that I would quote, rather fuck you up in a movie than make it nice and pretty for everybody, end quote. Okay. Um, and the next one was talking about like how Zack Snyder, when he was talking about Batman versus Superman and how, quote, it's the closest thing to a cult film that could exist at this level of pulp culture. Am I a provocateur? A little bit. I would rather fuck you up in a movie than make it nice and pretty for you because I love it and I like to make movies difficult, end quote. So it's like he knows... That he's not making sugar I think and candy. It's so funny that he's like, I like to make movies difficult. I like to make you think about what you're feeling, and then he goes and makes like blockbuster superhero yes. movies. Like, and he com- but then he co- he compares it to The Godfather and First Cow too, which is so wild. Like he's like the Snyder cut. See- yeah, he goes like. It's like the Irishman, but with action. Yeah, you could also say it's like the godfather of superhero movies. And then when talking about the aspect ratio, he goes, it's the uh, same aspect ratio of First Cow. The two movies share some common DNA. And it's like, we have so much to discuss because he wants to have like a double feature of First Cow and Justice League. And so at first blush, I'm like, I don't see this. And I don't. But there's homoerotic undertones for both. So it's I go, true. okay. It's but true. then as we were watching it, the four by three presented to maintain Zack Snyder's, you creative know, creative vision. vision. It immediately sort of washed away for me. And I, I felt like I was watching something a little out of time, which was sort of nostalgic, whether on purpose or not. And I think that's the inherent power that a four by three aspect ratio gives you, which I love. Jordan, I know you don't. Look, oh no, I don't have any problem with the yeah, four yeah, by yeah. three aspect ratio. I really respect you for saying your truth, but I have to be completely honest. I think that that's <laughs> bullshit. I love. I'm sorry. I truly respect you and everything you have no, to say I love about this. this film. And I also don't think that this film is garbage. I think that it is a fine movie. It's not but garbage. Like, I'm sorry. It's like, it's not the Godfather. Oh, oh God, And no. it's not oh, no, no, First no. Cow. Oh, and no. it's not a cinematic classic out of time. And For it's sure. not more no, important but it gives you that, just because it gives it's you that vibe. It gives you a vibe. I, I, I respectfully disagree do you that i I just think that i just think that using a specific aspect ratio and exhumes a specific energy no matter what but i hate the idea that like to make my movie seem more oh, Indian artistic. No, totally, totally, I'll be totally. Using the, I no, it, Jordan, I don't, no, I don't. No, I'm agreeing with you on this point, though. But because I don't I need gets we- you to agree with me but it if gets, you don't want be, to. No, no, I agree, though, because I think it gets, if we're looking at, like, the indie circuit, I think it gets weaponized by a lot it's of, like, like indie white. filmmakers. Exactly, where like, they're like, I'm going to make this as a choice right. to make you think that it's something, think a la Malcolm and Marie. Right. Where they're like, I'm going to make this black, black and white because you think it's artistic. Yeah. Right, exactly, where 
I th- I understand more for Snyder where he was going with this. It's so hard to not see him wearing his emotions on his sleeve. Like there's he's so earnest and is so honest with everything that he does. It's I just don't doubt anything that he's saying. Look, the man was meant to be in the film industry, okay? Like he's kind of insane. Like oh, uh, yes. I'm not surprised that he would talk to the New York Times and be like, I feel like this film was like the godfather. Like, yeah, I'm sure you do. But like <laughs> You know, I mean, is it to go back into? But make, I, I believe that I believe that he believes it for sure. Okay. And it's like to make you know. I mean, I think for what it's worth, like the making this cut, as we were saying, like it's impossible to see this movie sort of released into theaters. I could sort of see like a three-hour cut of this movie somehow sort of coming together. Maybe. You cut some things out, blah blah blah. But then to finally have sort of final cut on your movie and to release your final cut with an epilogue that pretty much like teases a Justice, Justice League, League 2 and like sets up basically your cinematic universe for so much is so out of left field that like it doesn't like you would think that sort of with this final movie like that he would just sort of like want to close the book but instead he's like he's you know what cracking the book no wide open. i'm gonna leave that book open for you to speculate <laughs> he's like what if i added a whole library to the book can we yes compliment the Jason Momoa. He is my man. My man. It's actually Why like, would people make fun of this? Because it, he's so good. It's just too good and they're afraid of his talent. Have you like it's I feel like it's sort of a point break thing where people were like, This is a bad movie because Keanu and them are playing like surfer dudes and people are like, Oh, this is like a stereotype when like those are just characters that can exist and are people in the real world. Like And also it's like if you've ever met a surfer dude, like, you that's understand like. that they are the stereotype. Hundred percent. I actually think that like Jason Momoa's casting is like the best Big piece brain. of Huge casting brain. Yes. that Zack Snyder has done. Yes. It's just such a good reinterpretation of the character Aquaman and he's so cool. much fun he's, he's a blast cool. i want to hang out with him he's a bro he doesn't care he drinks whiskey out of the bottle he kind he of like to the ocean hates everything a, but is also, of a lady on fire people singing songs for him as he goes into the water exactly like is kind of just there for a good time but also like doesn't really want to be there it's great and is also jason momoa is so fucking hot he's great in this oh my god arms Great arms, his tattoos, hats, great. his hair, even his weird ass contacts. I was gonna say the the contacts can go. Yeah, he has better contacts in Aquaman. You know who lost something in Aquaman Amber that Heard. existed in this movie is, oi! I guess I got a little bit of British accent in this one. I don't know why they decided to make Amber Heard British in this movie because it's not like so. Willem Dafoe from Aquaman is uh, also in this hair. movie. His hair is so majestic. It is luscious. Um, but like he's in this and he doesn't have a British accent and no. neither does Jason Momoa. No. And Amber Heard comes in here with like the most like yes. posh Queen's English uh-huh. British accent for no goddamn reason. Nope. And then it's just fully like Gone. a transatlantic American yes. in Aquaman. Yes. I love it. We're right. not even talking that she's like a fancy American. No. She's just like, hey, what's up, dude? How's it going? Yep. What's going on, bro? <laughs> it's How so, you doing? It's crazy. Can we talk about like, imagine I'm just picturing in my head right now, Willem Dafoe with that hair, but in the Florida project and how that would have made that movie transcendent. God, he just, you know, more men with long, luscious locks. That's absolutely the thesis of this movie. Except if you're Jared Leto, in which case... The ba- the long hair has to go. Please never look at me. 
or interact or touch me or even get near me thank you do not like that yeah so look there's like about a million things to talk about with this movie so we're going to keep it to the highlights to the the most important topics um so we talked about the tortured production of this movie and how Zack Snyder was able to execute his vision which is very exciting and we briefly touched on it in the Batman v Superman episode as well do you want to talk about what Justice League 2 is supposed to look like and where this is going. So in those flashback sequences where Darkseid, in this movie for you, so for the listeners, in this movie, Darkseid comes to Earth and fights the Lanterns and basically gets hurt. Uh, Well, sorry, he fights the Lanterns and he fights the Atlanteans and the 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 ladies of Themyscira. They're the Amazons. The Amazons. Brooke, can we... We'll talk about them in a sec. Um, Um, I mean, I only have one thing to say. Yes. And that is... Women. Can we, can we just mention how this movie has more time with Themyscira than both of the Wonder Woman movies combined? combined? And like, there's so much of the Amazons, and they're all great. The one thing I will say is that their costumes do suck. There was like a bunch of discourse when the Justice League came out about like, wow, the Amazons look so different and they're over sexualized, and like, they, it really is terrible. They're mostly in bikini tops and like little skirt things, and it looks so much like less athletic and tactical than the wonder woman movies even though all these women are ripped as hell and they have like incredible abs that they should show off but it's still like the specific the specific costuming choices especially because like all of their scenes are battle centric do feel like absolutely ridiculous but that being said for sure arms oh my god eyes they're all stuff. i just jordan look you were having the time of your life if i wasn't gay before you were let me now. tell you was this your second awakening <laughs> um wow just like a, a justice league awakening is this a new musical i just Steven really Sondheim? i just we really have an idea. appreciated how much the amazons were in this movie like they're in a lot of it they, they're in they, a lot of it i feel like we get to know more of how their society works we get yeah to, we get a lot of cool god references which i feel like the both of us as the like literal greek, greek god gods. stands we're like oh zeus great artemis cool when artemis shoots an arrow and her arms light up when she's shooting her bow i'm like that fucking rules yeah or when david thulis as Ares makes a cameo appearance i'm like okay right so here's what i learned about that so there are like the olympian gods zeus Ares, and artemis are in this um and Ares is per portrayed by a stuntman his name is nick mckinless uh, and then they like digitally replaced his David's face, face on. and also shout out to fucking mma fighter aurora larzel who plays artemis girl girl i would like for you to crush me between your arms or maybe your thighs I whatever love, you're I love feeling this for you. just give me a call you can go for a nice date and get some pizza yeah Ooh, she's really awesome um there's a lot of like really cool crossfit and mma women in this, this is great and in the oh my god of course um so like i really liked all of like the sort of ancient fighting amazonian and atlantean stuff zeus. zeus it's probably the only time where i've been like a fan of zeus yeah he's young and hot right young hot and he's not transforming into a swan to like seduce women to do something terrible hashtag never forget so justice league 2 so justice what was gonna league happen two. so basically dark side when he comes down and he's fighting all of them it was originally in the original movie steppenwolf 
So they replaced it with oh, dark side in this. Okay. And so for you, for the comic people, basically Steppenwolf is the uncle of dark side. Dark side is essentially the Thanos of the DCEU, the DC comics world. Sorry. And Got there's you. a lot of differences between the two in Marvel and DC have recently and not recently, but basically like, since the two characters have really come to be who they are, they've been really trying to distance the two to sort of show the, how they're not the same. But like Loki, a lot of the same similarities, you know what I mean? But what was going to happen is that in Batman versus Superman and in this movie, there are nightmare sequences where Batman is like, what's going on in the world? And, and he's, he's like, in a trench coat yellow. and, and it's, trench you know, he's Desert seeing horrible Batman. visions. Yeah. Uh, and so essentially what happens is Lois Lane dies. And in this movie, they talk about like the anti-life equation. And so basically what that is. I can't believe it's called the anti-life uh, yes. equation. But basically it's like anyone who controls that can control like someone they touch. Oh, so they have scarlet witch powers essentially, essentially. Yes. <laughs> and so superman gets controlled so they have to send the flash back in time and there's a gigantic battle and Zack snyder sort of talked about it but it's essentially like the continuation of this but in the end instead of it just being only our heroes it's essentially all of the dcu comes together to fight against Dark, Dark side. side. Yeah, who has controlled Superman because Lois died. And so they send Flash back in time because they're like, Lois is the key and we got to save her. Right. Yeah. Oh, got you, got you. But also Lois is the key as well because they want, Batman knows that he has to bring Lois to the scene where they resurrect but he doesn't. She just happens to be there. Yeah. So that's what I thought. Because in Batman v Superman, there's that little moment with Flash being like, Lois is the key. And yeah. I assumed that it was referring to this movie, but it's not. It's referring to the Nebulous Justice I'm League 2. I'm going to be blunt and say that I'm not honestly that sure. And this is me who has read a lot about both. I think it's a little nebulous. But like, I mean, I'm sure it is. But like Batman has nothing to do with Lois showing up at Superman's resurrection. No, not in this one at all. At all. This one, she's like pals with the cops. She just is there because she, she brings coffee. Lois Lane kind of like friends with cops. I mean. We don't stand. We don't stand. But also like. Is this any way to treat six-time Academy Award nominee Amy Adams? I'm sorry. No, it is not. I don't think you're talking about the right person. I think you're talking about Pulitzer Prize winning journalist journalist, Lois Lois Lane. Lane. I love Amy Adams so much, but these movies continually do her so dirty. I also think it's hilarious. So, like, yes, as we mentioned, there's, like, a very gritty epilogue where they're where it's you know dark desert world and batman has a trench coat and all that good stuff and here are the people the night brooke what if i told you it was a nightmare sequence guess how it's spelled like k-n-i-g-h-t yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that real yeah. is that real uh-huh. uh, i would just like to rattle off the people that have died in this world yes aka all of the most interesting characters. Wonder Woman. My man. Dead. Aquaman. Dead. dead. Harley Quinn. Dead. Murdered. Lois by, Lane. Murdered by Batman. Yes. Lois Lane. Dead. Yes. Um, You really only had three female characters going hey, for you. Uh, British accented Mira is alive. Exactly. She's the only one that's still alive. Yes. Um, but then who do they meet? They meet... <laughs> The Clown Prince of Crime, apparently shot in Zack Snyder's backyard, whatever that means. Did we mention that Ben Affleck looks great? Not yet, but he looks sexy. Can we just say, right now, 
He looks great. He has amazing hair for a man his age. He's graying. He's got the five o'clock shadow the entire movie. But he has so much hair. But Mike King is Mike. He did. He's the MVP of looking good in this movie. Okay, he of looks, looking good. Yeah, no, he looks so good. Like he, his appearance in this movie, the first time we meet him, he's riding on a horse in the middle of, of nowhere, a mountain. and just he takes off his like a hood. And he takes off some goggles, and he looks great. Yeah. He's thriving, and he, I'm so proud of him. He looks good. You know, I, I've i never What been... other Boston boy has emerged so strong through such heartbreak? Mm-hmm. None of them. I would say that I was always a fan of Batfleck, but I never really had an opinion on it. So, like, yeah, I'm a fan, but, like, I was never you not to see a it. fan, you know? Like, I'm, I'm kind of just, like Aquaman, I'm just here for, for My a man. good time. Yes. My so you were Man. saying, so Mr. Joker himself. Per- yeah. Um, the clown prince, the twisted man. It's not a good performance. It's Shocking. honestly not a good scene. It's very exposition heavy. I was... Well, it's setting up something that's not going to happen. Not a fan of it. I mean, I, they could do Justice League too, right? Sure. Is it? But they won't do it. Zack Snyder has essentially been like, I'm okay with it like going away. I'm done with this. Yes. Well, but yeah. then why would he include this epilogue? I think because he wanted to sort of see the full vision through of like what it was originally supposed to be. But with the new footage and like the new information, like when I killed Harley Quinn, like she wanted me to kill you with her dying breath and yeah, stuff like I don't that. Know. Like he's, he's not, he's just adding pieces to the puzzle. Yes. I can, you know, he's done a lot of press for this movie and I think he seems to be in a really good place right now and he's yeah. back in good with at least AT&T. I don't know if Warner is super into it, but like AT&T and HBO Max. I'm sure they're fine. Is supporting yeah. him. So I don't know. Maybe we will get Justice League 2. I don't think so. You know what I hope is in Justice League 2? Yes. Do you know what I hope? I don't. What? Um, Corn? I'm a really big corn mm. fan. Can we? Yeah, I think we need to actually dig into this because this was an important part of our watch. Zack Snyder's obsession with religion He's, is only matched by his obsession with Americana. Middle America <laughs> is stunning for him. He literally, there is a hilarious gladiator-esque scene. Hey, 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 do not say hilarious because I was tearing up. You were not. Not tearing up, but it was... I, look, I did I not start like pumping my fist when the man of steel store started kicking in yeah see it this i feel like this says a lot about us because you're like yes the man of steel score it's so moving it's so intimate and i'm like honestly i'm really just here for Hans the wonder Zimmer woman score so hard. i'm really just here for the wonder woman score which yeah. is also zimmer and he did go so hard but i'm like it's the same thing that we talk about in trailers where i like i want the blood pumping i want to yeah. be like and i want to be like dun, dun. and you want to feel sad Dun, dun, and, yeah. dun, dun. and have Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner father be like, son, you were sent to earth to be something, we have to do something with your life dual. while your hand going through corn and you're just, there's a butterfly there and you're realizing what your worth is. There's a lot of corn. Anything with fathers and like loneliness and sadness all at the same. It was hitting I'm on all of I wanted. really hard to still be friends with you like in this moment. But to be clear, I didn't hate this movie, but like you are really not making it easy on me here, I'm Jordan. Sorry. Yeah, I love daddy issues. I do. Yeah, but you know how I feel about a daddy, daddy issues. A daddy issue gets me going. This whole movie is essentially a daddy issue between Steppenwolf and Darkseid. He's like, okay, wait. An honestly, uncle nephew issue. Honestly, though, 
bless you for never having seen the original because the original <laughs> Steppenwolf had, z- had literally like zero motivation for everything. He was just like, I'm going to do the mother boxes. I'm going to take over Earth. And at least right. this one, he's like, I have to find a way to make Ste- my dark side, my father figure proud. You know, like he right. at least like had a driving force. It's 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 a, a real sliver of a driving force because I think he says that once, but it's it's there. At least it's like something. You right. Know? Mr. Goatman. Yeah. Mr. Goatman. How do you feel about like Atlantis and Themyscira? Because I feel like in the comic books, they're really not necessarily like these integral forces or points to the storylines themselves. It's really like kind of like where these people come from and like, yeah, you'll have like arcs and stuff that involve them. But they never really have these big of points. But I feel like with these two movies specifically, it was like a lot of plate. Or not these two movies. This movie was like this two movies. one epic right. cinematic but experience. I feel like there was a lot of plate time, as we were sort of mentioned with them as Like I feel like there's a lot going on with these worlds. Like he's really right. trying to world build and set up sort of this epic Lord of the Rings esque kind of universe i love worlds i mean i think it helps <laughs> yeah. brooke i got a question for you the idea of worlds how do you feel about Huge them fan. i mean i'm like such i think the more that i think creatively about what i'm interested in the more i actually get into world building which is a little scary because i never like i yes. feel like it's a slippery slope i kind of love this but i love world building and i think that it really helps that we have aquaman and wonder woman which like take place in atlanta and themiscura for part of it so we can see like different interpretations interpretations of the world i'm definitely obviously more of a themiscira fan oh really why i mean women that away women but yeah like i i love them it's it's great i think that like i don't know these sort of cool mythological races that exist on earth ostensibly like they feel more grounded to me than like the asgardians or something like that um or any of like the guardians of the galaxy universes because they are literally on earth but i just i like the mythical element to them i think that that's cool and i think it works well for snyder yes yeah i think it works so well for snyder because he loves like these archetypes and these myths and like thinking about like humanity and gods and stuff like that so he obviously likes playing in these these worlds and i think that he should continue to play in them because they're fun. I completely agree. I and think maybe you should just give the Amazons like a little more clothing. Some clothing. Just a like little, a little bit. A little slapdash of something. Yeah. I completely agree though. It's like these worlds are so... Uh, he's obsessed with imagery. Right. And as we've mentioned before, like whether that be religious, whether that be like mythological, superheroes to him are sort of these like greater figures. Correct. And they sort of superheroes, if you, as you mentioned on the last episode, and as I think we've talked into on this, is that superheroes are really like these mythological, like our myths for today. And I think that he really believes that. And it's really about like Snyder thinks that these are like how we interpret our stories for today. And I think mm-hmm. by having the Amazon or the Atlanteans, like these are like his way of being like, these are the worlds that we used to see things through. And here are the heroes of today that are like representing that. And whether or not that's like told in necessarily like a clean manner or whether good or not, he views these heroes in such a specific way that it's, so, I, I think this all just dials back to like the Snyder thing is like at the end of the day, like he has a very specific take on everything. He, You can always count on him to have an opinion. Right. 
And I feel like from what we've talked about, it's pretty clear, honestly, how we feel yeah. about this movie. It's I think I sort of just respect it in sort of like an Ang Lee Hulk sort of a way where yeah. it's like maybe I don't necessarily agree with the story and I don't necessarily or I don't necessarily agree with all the visuals or something. I just am sort of so fascinated by the idea of it because I just I sort of yearn for us t- like I would just love if every single superhero movie that was coming out was so clearly stamped by an author right. and I just love when films as we sort of we've talked about this a lot on our podcast is like I would much rather watch a very bad movie That's that has an authorship and has a take versus a middling movie that just has nothing really to say. And like at the end of the day, he has something to say, whether or not it's good, whether or not I agree with it, whether or not I think it's good. I don't know. But you and do I, think it's good. Well, I think it's like fine. It's fine. But I don't know if it's necessarily like something I fully agree with. Yeah. But it's like, I would much rather watch that than something that's just sort of existing in like a nebulous space. You know what I mean? I'm totally with you. And that's like Marvel DC in a nutshell because DC like actually hires auteurs and lets them go fucking bug nuts. And every once in a while they spit out something that's pretty generic like Shazam, even though Shazam is good. Shazam like weirdly great. It's good. But like, you know, that's like a, you know, it's a good solid generic. It's like an 80s movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Do you Should we talk hear? about the queerness? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the queerness. And because then I, I have kind of like a weird hot take to throw your way. So maybe would, we should do this first and you, the, then the queerness will unite us. Should we hop should we hot potato like the women of the mascara do with the mother box? Oh yeah. Oh the mother boxes. Can I just ask so you? So much though, business. Yeah. That was fun. When they're literally like like roping the mother box and like throwing it to each other the across a gigantic field. First Themyscira action sequence is like legitimately awesome. A bop. Yeah. Yeah. I was rollicking. Was that what you were going to ask me? Yes. Okay. Here Here's your hot take. Is like sort of. Lois Lane on the job. Let's yes. go. Pulitzer Prize winning Pulitzer Prize. Um, this isn't like. This isn't me saying that I think that this movie is like trash because it's not. I think that it's like a very interesting piece of cinema. So like thinking about the Snyder cut and I understand that like there are extremely extenuating circumstances when it comes to Zack Snyder and like his personal life and how that like involved this movie. And like, I am, I'm so happy that he like you, I'm so happy like you that he was able to execute this vision and sort of like work through this tragedy and still get to like, win and have this sort of career defining piece of art that he wanted to make that's so exciting but like the way that I'm already seeing people talk about this movie and how singular the vision is and how like incredible it is is a little bit frustrating because to me this film is extremely similar in authorship to another DCEU film that came out recently Wonder Woman, 1984. Stick with me here. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about like vision and about how like, wow, Zack Snyder was able to execute. Where Patty Jenkins executed her vision, but was like ridiculed because she was a woman versus Zack Snyder executing his vision because he was a man and people were lauding it. Yes. I don't think that it's purely sexism, but I think. But also, yeah, probably sexism. I also think that it sort of has to do with like, Wonder Woman 1984 is a more stereotypical feminine movie like it's very light and it's very happy and it's about like how love can save the world and this is like 
a gritty like takedown of superheroes. I mean, if you look at how they handle Wonder Woman, like Patty Jenkins's version of Wonder Woman versus his version, whether that be powers or just like in general, how they function within action set pieces. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that like the defining factor that sets these two apart is that like Zack Snyder was working through something very personal. And so it's like that, that, that is not part of, the equation but not having seen the original justice league and just evaluating this on like a purely cinematic level it preemptively bothers me that i think that the snyder cut is going to get a lot more praise and a lot more like wow you're so brave for making this movie a because he's a man and b because it's dark and gritty and quote unquote radical whereas patty jenkins literally did the exact same thing with executing this extremely singular vision that doesn't fit into the four quadrant superhero movie box but got like a ton of shit for it i just that was like my immediate first thought because i do think on like a pure quality level these movies like those two movies are basically the same when you get down to it. Like, I think they're the same level of competency and, like, narrative uh, coherence. To be honest, like, the, the Snyder Cut is four hours long. And I also think that they have the same level of, like, silly mythology. Like, the Snyder Cut literally includes a thing called the anti-life formula and mother boxes that have to unite and wipe everyone's minds. Like, it's that's... That's the same level of ridiculousness as the wishing stone. And I don't think that that's inherently a bad thing, but I don't want to see people praising Justice League and like condemning Wonder Woman 1984 in the same breath because like at the end of the day, there's a lot of really similar sensibilities and just the differences in the vibe. So that's what I have to say about that. I think that there is an inherent sexism that's going to happen. I feel like I come down sort of like disliking Wonder Woman 1984 a little bit more. I think we agreed, like just discussed this on the pod just because I think that if you just look at like the plot and sort of what they could have done versus this one, like you were saying it's four hours, but it's like it uses its four hours fully. Like there's no real convolution to it because it's so like everything's fully laid out no matter what like it's hard to not get convoluted within the amount of time but like let's think about the fact that 84 was designed to be a theatrical release and this was designed sure. to exist no, totally. in totally. a vacuum yeah. i just i think that like when you compare all of the factors they are quite similar just on an execution yeah i mean they're level. both like a tour driven films for like, sure and i think i just like i think I think it just has to say maybe also like with expectations of what people thought 84 would be yes. with the trailers and their marketing and what people thought that Patty Jenkins was going to bring to the table because I think that there's an expectation with Wonder Woman 84 that it's going to be of a similar quality to Wonder Woman the original. Which is which why is I want to talk superior. about these on an execution level just in terms of and that's why you know I haven't seen the original Justice League. I don't this doesn't look the Snyder Cut doesn't look like inherently better by comparison because I haven't seen it. Like I'm just thinking about it on like It's literally like yeah, like a trash heap on fire and like a coherent movie. Exactly. But it's like you remove that bias and it's like just looking at that on a cinematic level and looking at 84 on a cinematic level, not on an expectation driven level, which I think is 
Like, you know, that's the power of audience. But like just looking at like what the movie is, the actual meat of the movie. I guess like my overall point was that I'm interested to see how the discourse around this evolves. And if it ends up being like Zack Snyder, we knew he was an auteur all along. If it ends up being Patty Jenkins, we knew she couldn't helm a movie. I agree. As I think that the mainstream populace won't be able to necessarily like break the two down because I think there is an inherent sexism within the industry, specifically within the comic book industry. I think you're going to run into more men being like, God, Zack Snyder was finally able to like execute his vision. And then you're going to like be like, so what'd you think about Wonder Woman 84? And they're going to be like, uh, oh, it it's gross. Right. It's bad. And I mean, it's like so you can bad. look at like the visual, like even if you look at like a VFX quality, you'd be like, so, like, what do you think about the VFX for both? And they would be like, wow, Wonder Woman 84 is so much worse, even though if you look at the two of them, they're right. pretty comparable. And I think it really helps that you have OG Justice League to compare this to, because like you said, it is like a trash heap on fire. And of course, like, you're going to be like, well, thank God that this is an improvement on that. Whereas when you look at 84, what you have to compare to it is Wonder Woman, which, which is, is a, a very good. Right. Um, okay, so that's the end of my... I see you. My, my segment. I support you. I think that that's important to talk about because I think that there's like a lot of autorship discussions that happen within the comic book industry and like people don't talk about Patty Jenkins a lot because yeah. I feel like she, I think, well, I think Wonder Woman and 84 were both her movies no matter what at the end of the day. 84 is much more of her movie and people recognizing that. And so I think come the third one, as we sort of mentioned on 84, I think that will be the make or break for like the discussion. Right. And kudos to, to Warner's for being like, yeah, we're fast tracking development. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, but I got to tell you, I literally don't want to talk about superhero movies ever again. We, we have discussed a big streak here. We have discussed, I think like if you count all three Spider-Mans, cause that was secretly like a triple Spider-Man really episode. Was. If you count all three, we've discussed like eight superhero movies in the past three months. And like, it's been a lot. We, gotta talk about something else we gotta we gotta go into another sphere soon uh luckily there is an upcoming sphere april's got something cooking get ready wow um, we're gonna be taking off our clothes like fucking jason momoa does in this movie when he goes into the water right i like that he just kind of like rips his shirt off how and many tanks does this man have an unlimited number so many maybe the singing so women many give them oh great right. i mean look if i was that woman and i smelled his shirt i get it i get it i get it yeah, we have someone like literally like Brokeback Mountain style yes. sniffing deeply into his I sweater. I wish I could smell you. And you know what? She's valid for that. Yes, she is. Um, okay. The queerness. Do you want to rapid fire some of our some of the gayest moments in this movie? Can we just talk about the one at the end? Yeah, I mean that's I think that's the most the important one. Yes. So Batman and his nightmare sequence. You know, sometimes we're here in our society. They never said we live in a society. So sad. Zero out of 10. Anyways, as we discussed on the previous Batman versus Superman episode, there's an inherent queerness with the Joker and Batman as a character. The Joker, one of the most queer coded characters of all time. And, you know, sometimes when you're a character, the Joker asks Batman, you know, who have you ever loved? Who's the character that you've ever loved the most? And the movie then immediately cuts to 
not, you know, Robin, not Alfred, not Superman, but the one, the only, the clown prince of crime, the Joker yeah, himself. So Mira asked Batman, like, who have you ever lost? And I think the idea is that he's supposed to be thinking about his parents because Batman's parents, which is kind of hilarious. But I have it's a question, like, are Batman's parents dead? I mean, they're simply no I have no knowing. idea. Um, But, like, it's so funny because it just cuts at the Joker and you're like, He's talking about the Joker, but yes. that's not even the good part. No. Also, so wait, what, uh, before you deliver this yes. crushing blow, we never got to see the Joker in Jesus cosplay. I was wrong. Very upsetting. Why won't you commit, Zack Snyder? You're not going to give us, one, the Joker in Jesus cosplay, and two, he's not going to deliver the line. Re- hashtag release the Snyder Snyder cut. Facts. <laughs> I think we can get that trending. Release the ultimate Snyder cut. Mm, um, the, the new edition. Jordan, yes. bring us home. What does the Joker say to Batman? He says, who else is going to give you a reach around? Thanks, Jared Leto. And then Batman says, I'm going to fucking kill you. Um, so that's fun. And I'm the who fucking else? the fucking is included for the record. This is an yes. R-rated movie. Yes. They say fuck. Who else, Brooke, is going to give, give you a reach around? I literally can't. Um, How many times do you think they've done it? I mean, at least once. At least. <laughs> at least. I mean. Oh, my God. Some other great We were moments. really, like, looking through. Like, I mean. We stared at each other, like, with no expression dead for eyed. 30 seconds. Yes. Uh, I mean, look. I'm Weirdly, the Joss Whedon cut, as I was saying to Brooke during this, is a little more homoerotic for Superman with Batman because they cut out so much of what's going on in the first act. A lot of it is really Batman being like, I need to bring Superman back to life because I love him and I feel a lot of guilt about it. And he's the only person who can save us. And this movie, the first half is more like, I got to unite the society. We got to introduce, we got to give like five different people their backstories. We got to put Ben Affleck on a mountain. We got to do a lot of slow-mo. Kirsty Clemens is in this as Iris. West. Kiersey Clemens is honestly one of the best in the biz. And I'm so happy whenever she's in something. Come on because, the pod, like, Clemens. I think she's so good. Yeah. And she deserves to be in more stuff. Iris West. And she's so cute. I, she, I really like her. She's a good she's in a good fit in this movie. I truly like I think that she is very talented and I'm delighted every time I see her in something. Um, but yeah, no, there's not like a ton of homoerotic stuff, but like let's speed round yes. some of our favorites. Batman How, made a promise to superman for him how for about him. um batman saying that there's no us without superman oh god isn't that great it's great please wake up superman where they all you know bring his dead corpse into uh, a giant liquid thing where jesse eisenberg activated general zod yeah i feel like that entire sequence just in general of digging superman up and you know Men will create elaborate sequences just to be with the man dreams, that they just love. Just to be within the man that they love. I mean, we have shirtless Superman fighting Batman. We have to stand. Very close together. We have to stand. But that's honestly about all that When we Flash get. runs fast, he Superman gives him a little bit of a side eye. I don't even know. I don't know about that one, dude. The Martian Manhunter. Maybe he's giving off some queer vibes when he he's comes down. This. He's like, hey. Once again, I don't know about that one, but I, I, don't I either. respect I the got vision. zero out of 10 on that. I mean. I liked, it was, look, I love the Martian Manhunter in the Justice League comic book series or uh, TV show. I love the Martian Manhunter as a character. 
wish he had a little bit more business to do here rather than just popping in and out at a couple of sequences. I assume he would be in Justice League 2. Like when he shows up as Diane Lane, where he's like, I'm going to be Ma Kent. Yeah, very weird. I mean, he is a shapeshifter, but feels a little weird in that scene. Yeah, it's very much... The world needs you, Lois. It's very much like a sequel setup, which I assume is what he's trying to do, because if he was in Justice League 2, he would would know that Lois is going to die or whatever. Right. Um, Oh my gosh, Jordan. Yes. This movie answered a very important question for me that I asked in Batman v Superman. They did not bury Clark with his glasses on That's because true. when they dig him up, he has no glasses, which means yes. that he was if he when he was laying in his coffin, ostensibly everyone should Could know that he was Superman. Not that it matters because the moment he comes back to life, Lois Lane runns onto the screen. Hello, no. Screaming, Clark, no, Clark, don't. Oh my yes. gosh, Clark, no, it's me. It's okay. And it's like, there are a bunch of civilians there right there. There are cops right there. So you just blew his secret identity. Absolutely. Identity Good gone. Job. The black suit in the comic is essentially existing because he needs the sun to charge his body. Emo goth uh, bitch. Yes. Let's and this one go. is much more like, I'm going to feel my emotions. Yes. How do we feel about the part titles? All the King's horses and all the King's men couldn't put Superman back together again. Okay. Let me just rattle off these titles for you real quick because this Thank movie you. is conveniently broken into six parts. Here are the narrative. With an epilogue. With an epilogue. Okay, here are the narrative acts. One, don't count on it, Batman. Obviously the best title. The best. Two, the age of heroes. Boring. What age? Uh, Now? Now. Three, beloved mother, beloved son. Sure. Four, change machine. Kind of dope. Kind of like it. Five, all the king's men. Good. Obviously really good. good. Um, Six, something darker. Dark side, perhaps? Something darker. Who's something more know? twisted. Something more twisted. An Ooh. epilogue, a father twice over. <sighs> I was your father twice over, but the, cyborg. The thing is, that's like cyborg centric, and so is Change Machine, which is like really cool. It's just like cyborg really is. Cyborg like is we really paying out like a heart. change machine. Yeah, he's, he's this. You paying out like a change machine. Is that what he's? Yes, like? very nice. Thank he you. is the heart and soul of this movie, and it's really nice. It really. Anyway, is. those are the narrative acts. So if you want to watch this like six episodes of TV, you can. Yes. Conveniently, I did like when Diane uh, cosplayed Laura Croft Tomb Raider. That was fun, where she goes down into like the depths of like ancient Acropolis and is like, I'm gonna find out what the really meaning of this is. You yeah, know? in her four inch stilettos. Yes. I like her white trench coat. When Ben Affleck shaves with the Gillette shaving, you know. A razor? Razor. Oh, there we go. Uh, And then immediately starts talking about alcohol. And I was like, ah, yes. Boston. My Bostonian men are back. I don't know if this makes sense, but he walks like a Bostonian. Yes, he does. Do you know what I mean? Uh, It's where you're walking. You're trying to exhume a greater sense of ego than you have. He sort of like leads with his chest, but also with his hips. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're uh, constantly thrusting and puffing. Yeah. I call it a thrust. (laughs) Rufting. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I thruft every once in a while. Like, when I enter, like, a new room, if I'm, like, very uncomfortable, I'll thruft to try to feel like I'll fit in. It's your way to assert dominance. Yes. It's how us us Bostonians have to survive in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. my god. Wow. Well, I mean, this movie is a fucking time. I do like the bug Batmobile. Yes, it's cool. That's it climbs cool. walls and yes. stuff. That, yes. I mean, is there anything cooler than a bug that can climb a wall? Yeah. But it's a car? And it has like machine guns on it. Also, we never mentioned Alfred gets a lot of good business in this. 
Jeremy Irons is delivering the goods. Jeremy Irons is honestly too good to be in this movie. He's so good Same in this movie. Same with J.K. Simmons. Like, J.K. Simmons, Simmons pops up and he's for like... two scenes. So funny. Look, obviously there's not a lot of humor in this movie. It's really trying to be serious. But I really do enjoy when this movie leans into the humor. Like it is nice to have like a pop, a micro dose of humor every once in a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this movie... Granted, like as we sort of mentioned, I love when Superman comes back and he goes to the farm and this, the theme plays like we are like ribbing on it. But like when he has the moments with his dad and when he's in the field, I'm like, this is the Superman that I fucking want. It was so nice to see him in like this Americana vibe, just like Roman in a cornfield. Corn. I was like, this is all I want. Corn. Approximately if- a quarter of the budget was dedicated to CGI corn. Brooke, what if corn? What if? Corn. the band <laughs> um oh god okay any other final bits you want to talk about i've pretty much covered everything important which to me was mostly just the amazons well i mean i so. just think it's great that josh whedon just really got shown up on this movie and that like everything that was bad about his movie was really kind of more whedon-esque which is kind of great totally. that it's like all the parts that snyder kept were things that snyder shot versus the things that Whedon shot. There's not a second of Whedon footage in this cut. And also the two WB execs that sort of like oversaw the Joss era have like elected not to have credits on this version. So it's it's Snyder through and through for it better really or is. for worse. It really is. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Brooke, this is the Snyder cut and we unleashed it it. and I think that that's important for our fans to know you know for better or for worse this is an example of fan leverage and like I would be fascinated to see if fans end up leveraging their power for something more well-intentioned yes not that this was ill-intentioned but it was neutrally intentioned you know it was it's a very sticky situation at the end of the day it's wanting to see people punch other people the way that Zack snyder intended and (laughs) And it's 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 not really a lot more than that it just so happened that like Joss Whedon is such a shitty fucking person that a lot of good ended up coming out of this, which is great. And that right. doesn't that doesn't diminish the film at any rate. But totally. I wouldn't say that that was the driving factor in hashtag no, releasing no, no, the no, Snyder no. Cut. Do you think it's also like I... Uh, how do we word this? I mean, I think it's like I, I completely agree. And it's I don't want this to become a precedent. And I don't want it to be for... But, like, what I'm thinking is, like, if fans keep yelling at Marvel, is Kevin Feige eventually just going to cave and give us, like, a gay romance? You know what I mean? Or, like, if we keep being bitchy about the portrayal of female superheroes, are we going to get, like, an all-female Justice League or something like that? Like, are we going to get these things that we have been asking for through the power of annoying annoying. studios on the internet totally but it's also like at the end of the day are these people i i wonder are these people snyder fans and sort of like are these people fans of him as an auteur and him as a director or are they fans of like ben affleck batman or like the dceu like did they just want to sort of want to live in the DCEU more? Or were I, they like here for Snyder more? I don't think I have a definitive answer, but I, I have a, an intelligent guess, I guess. Yeah. I have a hypothesis. I think that like a lot of the reason that grown people 
are dissatisfied with big franchises like superheroes or something like Star Wars or Game of Thrones is that they're designed to make you feel the way that you did when you were a kid and these movies seem larger in life and it's like you're an adult now it's not gonna feel that way not for you it's not necessarily for you and so it's like it's never gonna hit exactly the same way and i think a lot of like the internet rage is born out of like why didn't this movie make me forget about all my problems because you're an adult and Brooke, you're hitting on it. You have serious problems that you actually have to deal with. And I'm sorry. That's just the way of the world. This is all The Last Jedi, where people exactly. had to question things and themes of their past and couldn't necessarily like lean back on the characters that they grew up with. When, I don't know, maybe the characters that you grew up with and that like you thought were perfect heroes actually have some flaws and depth to them. Yeah. What a concept. And Brooke, like, what if like the hero Luke Skywalker maybe was a little bit more flawed than you thought he was? Exactly. And it's like, I am definitely one of those people that's like seeing these films and TV shows is a huge comfort for me. And I use it like as a form of escape. But at the end of the day, like not to be that person that's like, it's just a movie, but be that person. It's just a fucking movie. Like you need to grow up and yes. stop calling people cunts Horrible on the internet, on the internet. Yes. <laughs> you know what yes. i mean yes sorry but like that yeah. is the, the biggest like that's a such a large sector of what yes. comes out of this it's group of very fandom. toxic it's so, so toxic yeah and it's so upsetting like it's you sort of want this thing to be it's like, do you want it to be good? Do you want it to be bad? Like, I'm so, it's so weird seeing the Snyder Cut getting necessarily such positive reviews because it was such, born out of such like toxic back and forth and such like whether like a pause, like there was a lot of positive and so much toxicity within like the confines of this thing and this like, so many people were making fun of it and so many people were like being positive about it and toxic about it. So you're like, I don't know what to feel about this thing. Right. And so then when it starts to get positivity, you're like, oh no, is this going to like empower people who were like awful on the internet? If people think that they can do this with Justice League, what's not to prevent them from doing it for stupider reasons with other movies, but also what's to prevent them from doing it for very valid reasons with other movies? Like I said, if we... If the internet rises up as one and annoys Marvel enough, eventually they will let people make out let of the same gender. The f- <laughs> let the Falcon and the Winter Soldier kiss. I mostly just use Marvel as like dumb shorthand because yeah. they're like such a it's big brand that's so concerned yes. with their image. But like, but you like know, anything. Like, what if we had like the end I don't feel. know one queer superhero? I want to see like li- I don't want to see a blink and you'll miss it type no we want to smooch on screen and you there know, was not one kiss on this screen yeah it's kind of nice actually i mean i don't i don't need to see any more straight people kissing although I'm, no wait that's such a lie lois and clark kiss i think they in just the hug fields. they kiss in the corn oh fields. they kiss they kiss okay good for them um it was when we were talking about his hairline mm. um yeah uh what was i gonna say but <laughs> behind the curtain this all sort of leads up to the fact that i'm excited for the eternals because like apparently there's gay representation and we will see we if there's like actual gay representation or if it's like yeah as you know my husband Le back Fou. home and you're like okay great right the yes. fact that you have a husband is really exciting cool. i don't know what you mean like uh the russo brothers really broke down the queer thank you, you know walls for gay Joe that in, uh, avengers endgame so gone but not forgotten Absolutely. forever in our hearts. He was snapped, Gay but now Joe he's back. So, okay. We have talked about this for far too long. 
Hey, Jordan. I would love to guess the letterbox. Do you want to guess original Justice League as well? Oh. Totally up to you. Brooke, I would love to. Okay, which one do you want to do The first? original first, of okay. course. Hit me. Uh, the Justice League, I'm going to go with a 2-3. Okay. It is a 2-2. Two, two. Pretty good. All right. Are you ready to guess the Snyder Cut? I think I am. Okay. Okay. Better than Justice League, right? Yes. Oh, God, yeah. 3-8. Three six, ah, uh, but it's creeping up it's there. Creeping. Also, fifty k people have already watched this. Oh it's been out God. for thirty six hours. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, look, we're like a, we watch. We're watching this on a Friday. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I, people were like all over the internet on Thursday night watching it. I so. had to. I didn't go on Twitter today. Yeah, I was no, like, you're smart. Because the thing is, it's not even spoilers. I'm like, I honestly just want to watch it totally cold. Right. Yes. I'm not like, oh my God, I can't believe I know about the shot of Wonder Woman. Like, uh, I just want to go in cold. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, I am a little upset that he didn't say we live in a society. And there is no Jesus cosplay for the Joker. Like, all, that's all you had to do. And it would have been five stars immediately. Sure, dude. Three things that he could have done to make it a five star movie. One, Jesus cosplay. Two, we live in a society. Three, call it the Martha box. That's it. Four, don't sexualize women. Okay, true. I mean, if we're going to talk about <laughs> serious things, four. Sorry, five. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, poor, I'm a poor gal. There was one shot where both of us were both like, <sighs> ooh, because it's literally just her like bare ass. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. Was it necessary? No. no. And it's like they don't even put Aquaman in his shirtless business for like the any of the fight nope. scenes. So it's just five men in full body armor and, and Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. In like all thighs and arms and not that that's really any different from the Wonder Woman movies, but it's I like mean, it, you look at the costuming for both and it's like a it's, little different. I swear it's the to way you God, her shirt, her skirt is it's shorter, shorter in these movies. Yeah, it yeah. for sure is. Yes. Yeah. And um, also her hair looks worse. Anyway. Where would it land on the queer quadrant for you? On the queer quadrant? I'm, I'm sorry. This can is we, like. Wait, can we say our numbers at the same time? Okay. And this will be fun. Ready? Ready? Three, two, two one, one. One and a half. Oh. <laughs> You went lower than I did. That's surprising. I'll give it one okay, and wait, a half wait, wait. stars. We didn't mention Themyscira. Did we mention it? Themyscira? I mean, we did. We mentioned it so much. No, no, but we really need to dig into the fact that this movie really is like Themyscira that's, heavy. That's actually where my one star is. They're and really I would less, say that they're like grabbing the lasso and really dragging it yeah, to a one. It's really good. So like I would say that the Themyscira, everything about Themyscira is like one star for hot. Yes. Very like queer coded and like sexy of strong course, of course like all these women CrossFit looking at each women. other when they're dying like right and like oh god like i'll never forget you and cradling each other right. as they die artemis no and also like as we know themiscura is like lesbian island right there are literally no straight women on that island so like one star for that and then i would say half a star for um, the, reach, the around. reach around i'm gonna boast mine to a, a one and a half because i completely agree <laughs> i i mean the reach i the fact they literally said that they're like we're going to take the coding and up it to 10. Yeah. Great. The specifically like the reach around line. Cause it's not like right. who's going to be there to jerk you off or whatever. Right. It's like specifically your reach around. I'm going to be there for you, Batman in the middle of a dusty desert when you're searching for the love of the life, because we, you know, men will create such fucking 
intricate Rituals. nightmare sequences <laughs> yeah. to be with the men that they love. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like it's yes. definitely, I think it ties into Zack Snyder's thing where it's like, we all know that men desiring other men is unnerving, right? right. Let's have the Joker talk about that. Oh, 100%. Like it's, that's obviously what's going on We mentioned this here. literally on Batman vs. Yes. Superman where Zack Snyder's like, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to make you uncomfortable with homoeroticism. And you're like, I think that that's problematic. But right. I, I, like, there's so much happening on screen that I can't stop right. to figure it out. You're like, I don't think that this is good representation. Right. But I you think are this is representing. Bad representation. Right. You're However, like, hmm, can we break this down, sir? Isn't it insane that we have to like pick between those where it's yes. like, this is bad representation, but like, but would I rather have representation? no representation? Zack Snyder, come on the pod to discuss. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> no comment. Um, Okay. Well, so wow. Well, I mean, look, if you want to hear us talk about cut reach arounds, the Snyder cut, the Snyder cut, we can't, we, we really cut that Oof. Snyder. I don't have, oh, I don't Burke, know. No. Um, okay. You can find us on Twitter. I'm a broke B Solomon at Jordan H. Gus. And we are together at Queer Quadrant. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, on HBO wherever Max. Wherever you get your nightmares. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not on HBO Max, but we are wherever you get your nightmares. You're can IGHT Mares. Um, XOXO. That's true. And let's see, as I think we mentioned on the Batman v Superman episode, but next week we are doing another versus episode. Ooh. It is Rocketman versus Bohemian Rhapsody, also dealing with <sighs> oh shitty men that oh had boy. to have a portion a of their of movies being recut. Yeah. Yes. Um, except in this. In it would the be really Rocket cool Man if just like a queer director could direct a big blockbuster movie and be like a non-problematic person. Like, Not be like be the so worst cool. human alive. Yeah. Like, anyway. Wouldn't that be such a nice concept? Um, Tune in for Rocketman v. Bohemian Rhapsody next week. It is a good and great time. Um, Oh my God. Jordan, do you we did have it. anything that you want to leave the audience with after we unleash the Snyder Cut? I just think that it's important for everyone to know that, you know what? We do, in fact, live in a society. We do, and thank you for saying.